0: Thank you guys, that was wonderful. wanted to start out tonight um, to say to us as a family at Tennessee Avenue, <clears throat> I really believe in each one of you, everywhere you are. If you're at home, there's just a few of us that are here, so I get to look at more faces now, but I really do believe in each one of you. Um, I really believe that we have been tested. At least I've been here seven years. Actually, seven years. Uh, exactly. We just uh, we just celebrated Caleb's seventh birthday, and I I got the job here just like the day before he was born. And so uh, we've had a we've had we've had testing the seven years that I've been here. It's just I mean I could just speak for myself, but I see a lot of it around everywhere that I look, it's been a severe testing, and, uh, and we're promised that, um, but I say all that to say that I believe we've been tested and tried, and we're about to move into some things uh, and be tested in ways that we've never been tested before. I say that to say I believe in each one of you. I believe that I believe we have the spirit of Christ. If we didn't have that, then we're done, right? It forget it. The type of testing that that comes historically as I see this, the type of testing that comes, it removes the humanity, it brings forth the God. Uh, and and so the fact that we ha- each one of us have the spirit, we're going to get have our days, right? We're going to have our issues. We're going to have our our little Know, our own little things that rise up. But my confidence is that each one of us have the Spirit of the Lord in us, and as He's moving us into His mission, that we're going to find that center. You know, we, we waffle. We, we struggle. We, we're frail and fragile and broken, but we, we, we really have a desire to know God and to represent Him well and to be with Him. Whatever He's doing, we want Him. I see that in the the people here at Tennessee Avenue. I see that. I believe I have that in me, as weak and ridiculous and fragile and broken as I am. I still, there's something in me, and I see it time and time again that I can get off on how weak I am, but I see the strength of God show up. And and, and I don't say that bragging. It's like, whoa, it's really in there. It's like, I, I really do believe I know the Lord. And so seeing that in a people gives me great confidence that as we move into a period of time, that I, be- I truly do believe this is a new season, that, that, that God is moving forward, that we're not going to be wandering any longer. He, he came on mission, and the mission never changed, but there come seasons in history where things wane, and we kind of get lost, and we kind of lose our way, and it's just the human thing. But I truly believe that God is saying, we're moving forward. Because again, there's no pandemic, there's no tragedy, there's no anything that's going to hit this planet that's going to stop him and his ultimate mission. It will not stop. And so he's going to have a people that, that are with him in that. And so uh, I just know in my heart of hearts that the Western church this is a real dividing line for the Western church. We're, we're going to find out who is on mission and who is not. And that means that each and every one of us are going to have to face everything in us that has been holding us back. Because let's be honest, if we, if we didn't have things in us that were holding us back, we wouldn't be in this position. So we all collectively have things holding us back and individually we have things holding us back. And I have every confidence in Tennessee Avenue that as we begin to move, as the Lord moves before us, that the Spirit of the Lord is in in this people. I see the Spirit of the Lord in this people. And we may have our little sideways days and whatnot, but I know each and every one of us are going to find the Spirit, and we're going to find the Lord who is that one Spirit. And that means we find one another, and we find that harmony. We find that ability to make it through. to to make it through. And so although I do believe we've been going through a lot of trial the past seven years, I think all of that has been training for what we're about to get through. And so uh, I have every confidence we're God's going to do a mighty work here. He's going to do a a great work. You know, I like to study the, the SEAL teams. You know, I read several books on guys that were SEALs, and I love that whole concept of training and teamwork, and and, and excellence and their ability to get in and out and do a job and be so focused and disciplined. And, and, uh, but something that they say a lot in their, as I've read some of their material, is they are big on team. I mean, it's family. They believe they're in a, an elite family because of the, the training and the, and the trial and all the things they went through to get there. And it's a select group but they say that they can do what they do because they have this incredible love and trust to the guy next to them. And it's all about the team. None of them, none of them, act alone. It's not about any one of them. It is about the mission, it's about the cause, and it's about a trust in the men that have been prepared to go go and do it. And they are able to function at that high level because they come from a team mentality. And uh, we're no different as the body of Christ. I believe the Lord's ordained it that way. If you want to be a part of a high-functioning body, that's going to be a prerequisite. It's going to have to be done. You've got to function for the team, for the family, because we're all following one Lord. He is the unifier, right? He is the qualifier. So uh, having said all that, I'm really focused in on what are those things that that are going to have to shake loose in us to move forward, to cross over, so to speak, to get into the promised land that we've been using the terminology, of the old covenant or the the Old Testament saints who went into the literal promised land, and uh, and what it took for them, what they had to leave behind in the desert, and what they had to pick up and take into the promised land to do what they were called to do, to accomplish. The task, and so uh, we need to have a good, clear picture of that. And I was just thinking before uh, I got up here, which I didn't plan to, to uh, use this scripture, but let me read it real quick. Uh, Hebrews 4:12 is a, is a powerful scripture that I reference often in my own heart. But it says the for the for the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword. And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, And able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him. With whom we have to do. That's 12 and 13. But I, I think what, I, what I'm getting at it with that word. And this is what the word of the Lord does. It's able to divide within us. What is the old man and what is the new man? Now, this can be, get very difficult for us to do. Uh, and that's why the Word of God is critical. And that's why that particular uh, wording there, it's living and active. It must be. We know the Word of God is the Word of God, right? The Logos. It, it is what it is. But there's a rhema word that is it, that's the now word. It's a specific word from God through the Word of God to us particularly and specifically. And it has the ability to divide things that we can't divide very well. He will show us through the word the things that are of him and those things that he's saying I'm calling you out of. And he's able to do it with a, with a, a scalpel, dividing soul from spirit. You can't do that. God can. The word can. It's something that has to be discerned. It's, it's more of a high-level, uh, mature uh, thing but that's what the Word of God does. And that's what we've got to be clear about as we are thinking about, okay, we're leaving some, some things that, that, uh, that God's asking us to lay down and we're moving into some new ways of doing things. Now, why am I saying this? Because, and why this is a new day, I think, this pandemic has revealed a great deal of fragility to our nation, a weakness exposed. Uh, our, I think we I think we're very thin as a people. Um, you know we just don't have that that inner strength that maybe we look back in past generations you know you get strength because you have to face things, right? You have difficulties. And let's just be honest, we got a pretty easy life today. All the conveniences you know if you you go back fifty years, seventy five years, the life that our Parents and grandparents and great grandparents lived drastically different than the ones that we're living currently today, and so there's there's a strength there, and uh, and I think Americans, just as a whole, we have so many conveniences that we've worn thin. We're just so very fragile, you know. It just doesn't take much to come in and we're done. You know, this is where I shut the whole thing down. You know, this, everybody everybody go home and you know. Lock the doors, and I understand that. I understand there's things that are real, real issues that are, that are fearful. But, but you know what I'm saying? We, we're having a weakness exposed. And what it means for the church of today is that, well, maybe we don't get to carry on like we have carried on. Maybe we don't get to do things like we've been doing it. Maybe we've got to begin to think about how can we carry on the gospel and really walk with the Lord in a new way, in a way we're not accustomed to, in a way we're not familiar with, in a way that we haven't had to in the past. See, so it really gets us into a state of flux where we're saying, hey, I really want to be the real thing. I really want to walk with the Lord. What does that look like? What's going to be the, what? what's going to, my life going to be different than the guy who's not following the Lord and the guy who is following the Lord? What are the distinctives? Because I really need to have those distinctives. So I believe that's what the Lord's doing us he's calling us into those distinctives and what are they uh, we, we need to know Joshua is a passage of scripture that I glean from quite Joshua 1 5 through 9 especially is an inheritance word for me specifically now it's an inheritance word for all of us okay this is a commandment for all of us but to me it's a specific word because I won't get into all the reasons why but I feed on it because I, it's, a, it's an inheritance word. It's a word that God encourages me with that says, Paul, I've called you to do this, and I need you to keep these scriptures on the forefront of your mind so that you can be encouraged enough and familiar with, with the man that I have created you to be enough to do it, to follow it. And so my first question for us is, do you have inheritance words? inheritance words from god that are specifically to you that encourage you and feed you to be the new creation man or woman that god has called you to be do you have those are those things in your bible underlined are those things in your journals do you have three by five cards that you have written these things down on because he has spoken to you through the word and this is a specific word to you from the father to you because you were born not of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but born of God. 1 John 1, 13. And since you've been born anew of God, that means God is your real Father. And He he gave birth to you understanding He's brought you forth for such a time as this for some specific reasons. Now, there are collective reasons as well, but specifically, what are you? Who are you in Christ? Because you're going to need those to get into the promised land. Now, I, I brought up my cards here because I have cards. I, I, I use these quite a bit. They're specific to me. But here's a general card, okay? I've got some some that are general. These would apply to every single one of you. Romans eight thirty seven. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Right? You guys, everybody can claim that. Uh, Ephesians 1, 4 and 1 Peter one 16, I'm holy and without blame before him in love. Romans 8, 2, I'm free from the law of sin and death. Isaiah 54, 14, I'm far from oppression and fear does not come near me. See, i got a whole big bunch of these. These are identity scriptures for the new covenant believer. These things are, you are these things because of who you are in Christ. And we can all generally take these words. But i got another stack of words here that are to me specifically. They might feed you if I gave them to you and said, here, read this. They might feed you, but these are specific to me. These are Paul David Thompson, born again, son of God, words to me that I look at, that I feed upon, that I understand what it is he's working me out of so I can work into to what he's calling me into. And I have to know what those are because this, this is so difficult. The, the world is so dizzying and we're so fragile, and things are so fast forward, and there's so much coming against us to keep us from taking any land, that if we don't get these things in our heart and on our mind and focus upon them, you may not get there. You may not get there. Now, will you get to heaven? Yes, yes. But see, we're not talking about getting to heaven. We're talking about hallowing the name of God here on this earth. See, and to hallow the name of God ultimately, is to take the promises and to make them true and to live them out to where people see them in you, to where you influence the people in your circle of influence to see God as he truly is, and that hallows the name of God. It is the God plus you, you, that is supernatural, right? We can all do what we can do. Some people can do greater things than others. But you can't do what God's called you to do without God doing it through you. See, so your inheritance words are going to be words that are very, very difficult for your natural man to grab a hold of. They will only happen if God does them through you. And they will only be done through you if you know what they are. See, because you've got to stand on them. You've got you to speak them. You've got to tell the devil, get out of the way, because he is not going to agree with you about them. He's going to fight you tooth and nail. In fact, he's standing there as a barrier to test whether you truly believe them or not. And the Lord will allow it. That's what testing is. It's what it's for. But the devil's not going to give. He's going to give after you apply the pressure that the cross applies, that resurrection life has applied to him in a human being. And he's expecting you to fail. And he will treat you as a failure until you convince him that there's more Christ in me than you know of. See, that he knows. There's no faking certain spiritual things. You're either standing in it or you're not. So we need to know some of these things. So Joshua is about to lead a people into a promised land that their parents were not able to go into, okay? See, he remembers, Joshua remembers how this all went down 40 years years ago. Hebrews 3.19 says, it, it, it quotes them, it says, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And it doesn't quote them, I'm sorry. But it's, it's making reference to this generation that died in the wilderness. And it says that we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. See, they, they, just, they, they got to see God move powerfully and do amazing things and set them free from Egypt. But, but where he was taking them, it was just too much. It just stretched them too far. They just couldn't get there. They they just could not go to that degree. And they had to wander and die because they couldn't believe. And so Joshua must have been thinking, we must believe. We must trust that God will move. I bet Joshua needed to trust even more than that because he needed to trust not only for his own identity and his own call in this moving across, He had to believe in that for one, but he also, I believe, had to believe that God was going to move powerfully enough in the people he was leading that they would believe it too. That's a lot of faith he had to exercise to say, hey, we're going in. You're going to do this, God. You're faithful. I believe you're faithful. I believe that you're moving on my people so that they'll rise up, so that they'll take on their identity and we'll all go in together. That's what I'm believing for. And maybe it took, maybe it took Joshua 40 years to get there. You think? See, he was ready to go in the first time, but he he wasn't leading then, right? He was just one of the guys. See, it might have taken Joshua forty years to decide that not only am I gonna lead this thing like Moses, oh Moses. You know Joshua had that, oh Moses, oh I could never be like Moses thing going on. Maybe God had to first convince him, yeah, you're you're like Moses, and even better, Joshua, you're gonna take these people places. He couldn't take them. And maybe maybe he had to go through that. And then he had to take a step further and believe that, God, I believe in you so much that you're going to fulfill your promises in these people. I can't do it. I can't walk around convincing everybody that they're something that they don't believe they are. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to do that, God. And I bet that was his conversation quite a bit. You reckon it was? I, I feel certain we got to believe, guys, because the promised land has giants. But here's the issue I wanted to get to. The first giant you're going to have to confront is the one inside of you. Because if you can't defeat the giant that's inside of you, then there's no sense in moving forward. In fact, if you don't defeat the giant that's in you, you're not going at all anyway. What is that giant within us? It's that inborn negativity that rises up, that says, no, you can't. You're this, you're that. And God says something else. Do you know? Now here's the point. Do you know that old voice, that old giant, that old you that's going to convince you to stay wandering? Do you have a clear enough picture between the two? In other words, because you need it. You need to know what it is God's calling you out of and you need to know what he's calling you into so that you can cooperate with him and that's a personal thing. In other words, nobody can do that for you. These, these are things that you've got to know. You've got to know God the Father this way. You've got to enter into the process. See, Joshua remembered what the former generation had decided. It's talked about in numbers 13 33 it said this is what they said and and there were and there we saw giants the sons of anak we we which come of the giants and and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight see they had decided we saw what what's over there and we know who we are and there's no way and joshua said oh my goodness We can't fall for that. So here's 40 years later, after Joshua heard those that generation make that identity claim and suffer the consequences for it. Forty years later, we got the same giants, we got the same walled cities, we got the same promised land. Has God brought forth a people who can walk with him as he moves forward? And we know, scripturally, we know. He did. It, God did a work. Evidently, the manna, which is what is it, the what is it that they ate in the desert had transformed them into what it is, and that is the bread come down from heaven. Somehow, way, the Lord did what he did, and in that next generation, as they rose up, as they wandered in the wilderness, remember, they were wandering, they were following the presence. That's what that was. And so as they followed the presence, God was doing something. As they were eating the manna, as they were understanding this is, a, this is a gift from God, we are special because not anybody else on planet Earth is fed this way, right? They had a lot of reasons to believe they were special, they were unique, that God was with them, and they saw it. And as they saw it, those 40 years... They turned into people who had faith. Now here's the thing that I, I, I think we need to think about. Because, listen, how many years have you been eating this word? I've been eating it quite a while. What's it turning us into? That really is what it comes down to. Has it turned you into something? Are you just a Pharisee that knows what right and wrong is and likes to point it out to people? Because it can do that. But see, here's the point. If we've been in church our whole lives, feeding on this word, the point of it is that we become like what it is. And those people will follow the voice of the Lord wherever he goes, whatever he's doing they will listen to what he has to say and not to what the world has to say. So, if, so this in church, folks, this is us, okay? We've, a lot of us have been here a long time. We've been reading this word. It's for a purpose. It's not just to come back again and let's go over some more verses. See, this is all leading up to something. I believe this is our Something. We've got to hear the word of the Lord. We've got to hear that rhema word of God. Now, let me, let me try to make a point here about how difficult this can be because all through Scripture we see this problem. We see men of God encountered by God, and God say to them, you're going to do X, Y, and Z, and you know what they do immediately? They're humans just like us. That little inner giant comes up and says, oh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that's what we're going to do. Okay, let me give you a couple here. Jeremiah, looked up Jeremiah. God says to Jeremiah, I've called you as a prophet to the nation. You know what Jeremiah said? I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Can you hear that? It's totally natural that when God comes and says something about you, that you've already been filled with all the negativity and all the faith in who you used to be to cry out to God and say, not me. Is that not right? Moses. Let's think about Moses. Moses uh, encounters God. God says, go to Egypt and lead my people out. And Moses says, who am I that I should go? Who do I say sent me? I can't talk right. And then he finishes it with, please send someone else. Right? Don't we do this? Guys, but if we listen to that, we will wander. We will not hallow the name of God, the God that we would worship every morning. Tell him how awesome he is, how incredible he is. Oh, all things God, we love it. And then when God says, hey, I want you to go do this, we go, please send someone else, please. I, I... let me go through my list of reasons why you can't do this in me or through me. We do that, guys, all of us, and we got to collectively get out of it. Gideon is, is one of the best here. Gideon's just like me and you. God says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And then Gideon says, oh, yeah, if the Lord's with us, then why, why are all these terrible things happening to us? You ever said that? And then God says, go in the strength you have and, and uh, save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And Gideon says, how can I? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And God replies, I will be with you. You will strike down Midian. And Gideon says, give me a sign. And then he goes through all that of rigmarole. I, in other words, here's the thing. I don't believe you, God. And God says, I don't think you understand that one real important part, I will be with you. See, I'm going. I'm not just sending you on some mission for you to get all of your own abilities worked out. See, I'm calling you with me to do something you could never ever do unless I was there unless I have called. So why am I saying this? I I, I know, guys, I know that we need to have a little bit of an understanding as to what is that story that you tell yourself as to why you can't succeed in life, as, as to why you can't do the things that you'd like to do. You know, the dreams that we grow up having, and then by the time we're 30 or 40, we say, well, forget that. It was fun when I was a kid to dream, but i know what i can do now and god says you're
1: you're listening
0: to you you're listening to the world you're not listening to anything that i'm saying about you you're going to church every week but it's just a religious ritual you're not letting this word develop you into a world changer into a person that giants have to get out of the way of because that's what this book is they're people just like me and you they just in the end they believed and they moved and they didn't fall for all the tricks and of the enemy that are coming our way God calls us into promise and as he calls us into promise it brings a major crisis of belief now we know what God's uh, goal for us is Romans 8 is to is to be growing into Christ likeness that's what his ultimate goal is all right? now yes Salvation is the seed, and we're going to avoid hell for that. We're going to be with him forever. But that's just the beginning. Now the seed has to take root and grow up into maturity to produce fruit, and that is Christ likeness, ever increasing Christ likeness in everything, in every way, in all our thinking, in all our emotional state, all what we believe and who we're listening to about our identity. It's all wrapped up in Christ likeness. It's very difficult to become Christ-like when everything's going well. We grow in Christ-likeness when we, are, when we are overcoming the things in us and around us that are not Christ-like or are not kingdom of heaven-like. The prime root cause of our defeats is the negativity that we take on board from our environment and the world around us. That's another way of saying unbelief. The Holy Spirit loves to teach us the internal practice of alignment with Jesus and who he is for us. In particular, he delights in empowering us to embrace our elevated status, our legal authority, and permission to overcome. To enter into the full promise of God for our lives, we must step outside the confines of our past and our own understanding and into fully trusting who god has called us to be now here's a thought having said that here's a thought that i wanted to lead us into if you've not developed this then i'm asking you to begin to develop it because you're going to have to have it if you want to move into the promised land and here's that here's that one that first thought develop greater intimacy with god as father as he is your father Here's a question. Have you ever asked God to father you? Like literally came to him and said, God, I just need, I need to develop a relationship with you as father in such a way that I am oriented to what it is you're doing. See, I I know so many believers through the years who've gotten born again, and they've taken that step across, I don't know what it is, but there's, there comes a point, you know, after, you know, when you get saved, if they truly get saved, it feels like, you know, the the weights of the world's off of you and you're just kind of floating around and everything's awesome and you think this is just the greatest thing ever and then all of a sudden some things start changing. I've seen this happen to so many people. What God the Father begins to do is he says, well, you don't really know yourself and you're kind of spiritually lazy in every way and so now I'm going to let life begin to happen to you and we're going to, these are tests, these are trials, these are, this is how it goes. And I'm going to be with you because I'm going to show you who you really are now when these things start to happen. Now, now this is where you need to stay close because I'm going to tell you what's happening. I'm going st- to tell you. I'm watching my children go th- through these things. You know, life is hard. It's, it's tough being a kid. Kids are mean to each other. They don't, you know, you know what I mean? And, and so you have, to, you have to be close. You have to get a heart-to-heart connection with your child so they don't just hold things inwardly. And, and, and carry them off and let the devil just turn them into this mess. So you've got to stay close. You've got to say, well, son, here's, here's how this happens, and here's how that happens, and here's, here, this is what the truth is, and that is a lie, and, and you know, let me tell you, and I've seen so many believers who will, God will begin to shake their world or he'll let them begin to enter into the training process, and they just run from the whole thing. They just turn and take off. It's like, you know, I didn't really sign up for this. I'm out of here. See, guys, this is, this is not easy. This is, this is not easy at all. But the closer we get to the Father and we know His voice and we get intimate with Him, running to Him with even our sins, when we fall, when we fall for the thousandth time that you know Him enough that you can run to Him with your mess. He already knows it. It will not do you any good to run anywhere else. You run straight to Him. And let him tell you the truth. So we've got to develop this this intimacy with him that's greater than maybe what we've known in the past. Have you asked him to father you? And are you in that? Have you clicked into that place where you're oriented to what's happening? And you know what he's working out of you because that has to get out of you so that you can step into what he's got to give you because you'll never get where he's taking you unless it happens. See, so you get oriented to the process of him fathering you that he's close, that you know his voice? Do you have a relationship with God as Father that would begin to give you a clearer vision as to who you are and why you are here? You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, we like that verse a lot. It says, for I know the thoughts or the plans that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end, is what the King James says. But here's my, here's my question. Do you know what those thoughts are? Because they're specific. He says, I've got great thoughts for you. I've got great plans for you. Do you know what those plans are? Do you know what those thoughts are? Because they're not general. They're specific. Do you know what that expected end is? Do you know what he's developing you for specifically? Because only a good, loving father is, can share those things with you. He knows those things about you. I had an interesting talk with my little girl. She's a five-year-old. She's really talking about God, and she just wanted my attention, and she wanted to talk about God. I think she knows that I think God's a big deal, so she thought, I'll get his attention because I'll start talking God stuff, and then he'll really want to talk to me, and so she was just going on and on and on and on and on and on and on about all this stuff about God, and she made this comment I thought was interesting. She said, she said she just wanted God to herself. She didn't want anybody else to have God. I was like, no. But I know what she's saying because see all my kids do this. They want daddy's attention at the exclusion of everyone else, right? Because they don't understand. They just want, it's it's me and I need you. And she was applying that to God. She's like, I don't, I don't want I don't want God with all these other people. She didn't have an understanding. And I tried to tell her, I'm like, honey, he's that big. He is just yours. He's all yours. You can have all you want of that. Get to know him. Let him spend all of his thoughts upon you because he's infinite. And she doesn't know what that is, so there's no sense trying to explain it. But that's the point. Listen, guys, we get to have all of him. It's as if we are his special child. And we're the only one that he's focused on. And we need to make much of that because he's got intimate things to say to you. So do you have intimacy with God the Father? You must develop a Jeremiah 1-5 relationship with God. Intimacy with the Lord will begin to produce a picture for you of what he created you for so that you could hallow his name in that way. Because whatever it is, You could never, ever even begin to do it without Him doing it through you. God will give you a name, a new name, a new covenant name. He'll show you how you are known in heaven. He will show you what gifts you carry for Him. See, this is this elevated status. God gives us an elevated status in Him. It is royalty, Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Now, what does that mean? It's saying that, yes, God gets to conceal, but he doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us to find. And the fact that we have royalty, we've got royal blood because we've stepped into who Jesus is. We're in the family of heaven now. And because we have that, that royalty, he's saying, Come to me. I want to share with you things that only kings get to look at. Only royalty gets to see the things that I want to show you. See, that's elevated status. You don't get that other than Christ on the cross and you born again and walking in a new life with His one Spirit. And it gets specific. He'll show you the treasures that He's placed within your spirit so you can unpack them. See, it's a relationship of royalty. It's a, it's a father who's a king sharing with his sons and daughters who are kings and queens what it is to be royal in his own way. You have to get that from him. We are kings and queens. God wants us to search out these matters, the matters of our heart, the matters, what we are here for. Search them out. Your DNA in Christ is royalty. We get to search out the treasures of God in man. Now, here's the thing. If you don't get your specific ID from the Father, you will get it from the world. In fact, I shouldn't even say it that way. You've already gotten it from the world, okay? You've already gotten that download. It's already in there. Now, what you have to get in God is that new creation mindset, that that Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, renewal of the mind. You've got to get rid of what you've been filled with. Because, listen, guys, the enemy's wounded you specifically. The enemy knows where to wound you, where to cripple you. He wants to wound you so badly that you'll never, ever go there. Never go there. That's what he does. God has to walk you through that wound again to get you on the other side of it in him so you can stand a new man, a new woman, fully mature. Man, it is, gosh, it's not easy. Guys, I know that. It is not easy. That's why we need each other. For prayer, for encouragement, to speak words of life. See, you don't. I don't need to call you down for your sins. I need to call you up into what God says about you. Yes, we have sin. Yes, we have to. Conf- yes, we have to take responsibility for it. But as you do that, you need to hear from me and we need to tell one another, no, this is who you really are right here. Be that. Do that. I see that in you. It's Christ in you. It's your hope of glory. It's awesome. Be that. Be that person. I need you to be that and you need me to be that for you. We have to have each other in this, guys. We've got to find the will of God for us collectively as a church but we've got to be walking it out individually to get there because we have to know the voice of the Father ourselves. That's the the alignment. That's what brings the alignment. I shared this in a video, but I I really believe this. You know, Proverbs 30 talks about uh, wisdom that he sees, and he's talking about how the the grasshoppers or the locusts, they, they have no king, yet they move in rank. Now, that's because they were created to move in rank. And they honor that Word from their Creator. They honor that Word. That keeps them in rank. That keeps them working together to do whatever they is, it is that they do, which is destroying crops and whatnot. But they, they move in rank. They're in this together because they listen to the Logos, the Word that created them. See, we, we, that Word is our Father. That's what we have. As we listen to Him, We will learn how to work with one another, how to harmonize, how to be this devastating force upon the earth, devastating to the enemy, the prince of the power of the air. He is the prince of the power of the air of this planet. We are devastating to him when we begin to move in unity from the one Father. We have a lot of testing, a lot of things to work through. If the word of our Father is not on the front burner of your mind, that default setting, the world's ID ID, and identity for you will keep you in the desert. You'll never be able to move forward in what He has for you. Here's something I thought of. We need to get a Proverbs father-child relationship going with God. Do you all know that David groomed Solomon for the throne? Do y'all also know David was a terrible father? Terrible. Awful. If you just take a look at it, David was a wounded guy. The thing about him that God loved is that he never stopped growing. He was always coming back. As messed up as he was, he knew the love of God to where he could keep running to him, keep running to him, keep running to him, and by the time he got old enough, when Solomon came around, and we know how Solomon got there in that position, working through the reality of how messed up he was, David learned how to father. And now we know he learned it because he did it with one kid, Solomon. He was able to do it with one kid because he knew what God had called Solomon to do. And so he took Solomon and he said, I'm dumping everything I got into this kid. I'm going to be the father to him that I was not to all the others. And so you'll find this phrase in Proverbs 1.8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Proverbs 2, one. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commands with thee. See, he's, it's this father-son relationship where, where, where the king is dumping into the king-to-be. He's dumping these things in heart to heart. If we would have God as father and allow him to deposit into us what we uniquely and specifically need to hear from Him, what God would do on this earth. He'll do it again. He's done it before. He'll do it again. I mean, why not us? Why not us? We're no different than any man that has, that's found in these pages. We're no different than any man or woman. Throughout human history, when God has risen up through a people and done mighty things and gotten his name hallowed once again, we're no different from any of them. Why not us? God, why don't you do that in us? Why not us here? I'm tempted to believe, guys, and I do believe we are ready, and God's going to do these things. See, Solomon was going to be a king, and he needed specific help in doing that specific job. God has called you and I to specific things. But ask the Lord this. This is a prayer. Oh, Father, would you father me as if I were your only child? Father me the way that David fathered Solomon. Father, show me how I'm known in heaven. What is my Ephesians 2.10 life? See, that's a preordained, predestined life only found in His Spirit. You're never going to touch it without Him. You and being born again and Him in you. He knows what that is. He will share it with you. You need some clues as to what it is. You've got to know how to fight because you're going to have to fight to get it. Not from God, but from this world. Everything in this world is set to take you out. We're going to have to get close. We've got to hear it. Father, give us a bullseye and then train our hands for war and our fingers for battle. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. When you don't have a big yes to focus on, then we're led astray to do all kinds of things, right? But if we have something so compelling calling us forward, Oh, I want to do that. I want to do that for you, God. I want to be that. I, I see this thing. If you're so focused on something so wonderful, all of a sudden you become disciplined because you just don't have time for all these other things. i got to do this. I'm, I'm on my way to this. If you don't have that, though, it's just like, well, I've got to spend my time doing something, you know? And believe me, here in America, you'll find plenty to do, won't you? Plenty will be vanity. If you want to exercise self-control, you must get a clear and compelling vision to fill your thoughts and actions with. First Corinthians 1211 talks about the, the parts of the body thought I had it now let me get to it here no I don't have it 1 Corinthians 12 okay 12:11 12, he says but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. Do you see that individually thing? Now, it's a collective body, but see, it's what it goes on to say is that there's different things going on here. Do you know what part of the body that you are, so to speak? Do you know what that translates? If you're the eyes, what does that mean? If you're the feet, what does that mean? Have you asked the Lord these things? These are things to ask. When you have an intimate relationship with the Father, you just ask Him all kinds of things. See, my... Children will do that when they have, when they know they've got the freedom and the love. They'll just ask, 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 and you just shut up, stop asking. See, but God won't do that because He's not like a, He's not like us, evil, evil fathers that get frustrated and say, "Stop it, just stop talking." God's a perfect father. He's like, "Oh, bring it on. I'm gonna tell you all of it. I'll tell you everything. Just keep giving me that attention. Keep giving me that focus." That's what we've got to do. We've got to get that child likeness back. That verse ends in verse 20. I was going to read the whole thing, but I'm, uh, but I'm asking you guys to read it. Read it and begin to ask, Lord, what, what Father, what am I? To, I need to know about me. Begin to show me some of these things. It's, it ends off saying, but now there are many members but one body. See, we've, we've got this individual thing and we've got this collective thing, and you need to have both. Listen, you are not a number. You are not just a number. You have a name, a specific name, a specific calling. God the Father wants to spell that out for you in ways that turn you on. Oh man, the glory of God is man coming fully alive to what he's placed within him. Watch them go when they find that, when they're turned on, when they get to, to do that thing they were created to do. I've heard it said God starts with a dream and then he builds a human around it. <clears throat> we got to find that dream. Don't let your inner child that died to the dream, you know, when you found out how hard it was going to be. And you just lose heart. You know how that is, how we do that? we got to pick it back up. I'm not saying you need to be a astronaut or whatever it is when you were a kid wanting to be but there is that thing still in there if you're alive it's still in there you want to do something special for the lord you want to hallow his name well it's gonna it's gonna test you it's gonna bring you to a crossroads and god will get you through it if you'll give him half a chance are you aware that god's calling you into something that will rouse your inner giant of negativity do you know what God's calling you into? And do you know what the voice of the enemy has downloaded you with? See, you need to know that that both. See 2 Corinthians 2:11 says, "In order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes." Are you ignorant of them? He'll take you out. You've got to know exactly what it is he's done so that you can follow the Lord into what it is that He's doing. And I'm wrapping up here. We cannot be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. They are specific to you. Have you been developing your inner overcomer? See, that's what this is. We are more than conquerors. That's an identity, more than conquerors. That means we just got over something, and now we're going to climb up onto the next ledge because there's more to conquer you become a conqueror as an identity. See, we never stop. It gets greater and greater as long as we're on this life. We just get more levels in which we can hallow the name of God. Many saints stop very short of what God would. Even in David's life, guys, you know what says this in scriptures? God God says this to David. He says, if you'd have just obeyed me. I had so much more. I mean, we look at his life and go, Whoa, so much more. Oh my goodness. I just don't want to get on the other side and see all that I just couldn't bring myself to believe. And I don't want that for you either. I want to hallow the name of God. See, God is God the Father is grooming you and I to overcome. Are you being groomed? Do you now know how the Father is grooming you? Do you know what he's after, what he's into, what he's doing? He'll show you if you'll ask him. The enemy has wounded you in that one area that God wants to shine through. His wounds are specific. So here's a question to ask. What have the locusts eaten in your life? Take a look at it. Where, Where have you been hammered? Where have you just been stunted? Where has he smacked you so hard? That it's just something that you just have to, you're just always trying to get away from that thing. What losses have you taken? Do you know your own story? Ask the Father these questions. He'll tell you. He'll show you. He wants intimacy. I'm telling you guys, that that this is the age of intimacy. This is the age of absolute intimacy with God, and it's the age of intimacy with one another. That's what He's doing today. It's a little bit different than it was in the past season. God was doing something. We know God never changes, but he does do different things in different seasons. And the season we're in today is about intimacy. It's about bringing it all together. Matthew 7, one of those key verses from Jesus. It's basically what I'm talking about. No, that is not seven five, I'm sorry. Let me find it here, 7. Covered it up. It says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That whole beginning of that verse there, what's that moat? The moat is the old nature. It's those old nature leftovers, those blind spots, those areas you just haven't worked on, you haven't gotten out, you haven't seen clearly, you're still seeing with that thing here and you just can't quite get things right. It's just not quite right. You've got to let the Lord remove those things. The process of taking the mode out of your eye is the process of God fathering you. He will remove it as you trust and obey. And there are going to be issues that you don't, you don't want to go there. And he's going to say, right there. In the filth you will find it, it's been said. He's going to say, come on, I'm with you. Matthew 11, 12 is a verse that I've always pondered and I think I really am beginning to get an understanding of what this verse is about. It says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, heaven suffers violence. And and violent men take it by force. You know what I think that means? I think that new promised land people, the, the conversion into the New Testament is the kingdom of heaven. Can you all see that? In the Old Testament, it was promised land. We're taking this land. For us, it's the kingdom of heaven. And so there's a kingdom of heaven version of you. It's the you of the kingdom. You in Christ. You bringing the kingdom and putting it on display for people to see. It's the same issue. There's giants in the way. There's things in the way. I believe this verse says that once you know who that old man is, you better get violent with him. John Piper has a famous message. I love this message, but it, it's entitled, to, uh, How to Kill Sin. And his, his phrase in it, in it is, Kill sin, or sin will kill you. See, this is, this is a winner-takes-all issue when you're talking about hallowing the name of God. Now, God, Now, the devil can't take you out of heaven. Once you're in, you're in, right? We're not talking about heaven. We're talking about you manifesting the glory of God in your lifetime. Stepping up to things that God's calling you to step up to that you could never step up to without Him. And God giving a a new, it's another, same song, new verse. Glory of God. God on the throne, all powerful. See my glory in this earth give people a representation of who I am. That's what people will come to, right? we got to get violent. We've got to kill this old man. In other words, he'll kill you. You better know who he is or she is, that old nature, that old you, that wounded soul. You better know the difference between that wounded soul and that new creation that God's calling you into because you're going to have to kill that thing or it's going to kill you. It's going to take you out. It's violence in the kingdom. I believe that's what that verse is saying. Galatians 5.16 is what I'm going to finish on here. I just want to listen to these words. Galatians 5.16 walking in the Spirit. It says, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you see that? You're not going to inherit. Now, what do I mean? I don't know what that means exactly. I don't know that it necessarily means heaven, but inheriting the kingdom of God. See, that's an inheritance for Jesus. The inheritance Jesus is looking for is His name being made great here and now. His name is great. It will not be questioned in eternity. There's no... There's nothing stopping his glory or his greatness. This is the time in which his name will be hallowed to people who would like to say otherwise. It's the only time. This is the time to not deal in these things so that you could do that, so that you can inherit inherit the kingdom. And he's saying, if you're dealing in this, and listen, if you're in a church and have been in a church, you know these things are going on all the time, right? Right? We've got to cut those things loose. Those who practice them shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And listen, guys, we all do it from time to time. Are you into repentance? Do you know what it is to run to the Father? How to, how to do whatever you got to do to make things right or whatever it is that's going on. It, it's not that you're not going to do these things. You're going to do them. Do you know how to make it right? Do you know how to get back on board? You know how to have a bad day where you cause some faction and then the next day say, you know, I just did some bad things here. And you try to you get it right with the Lord and you do whatever you got to do with people. You're, you're a peacemaker, right? You're one who's with him. And ultimately you're with him. God's grace covers you. And he can lift you out of that. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now does crucifying the flesh sound violent to you? You better believe it's. You better get real with that crucifixion. There's parts of us that are going to have to be crucified. Now in Christ they already have been, right? We were nailed on the cross. That's where we get our forgiveness from. But we have to face those things and live live those things out so that God would be glorified. Let's pray. Father, we're just so grateful that you've decided to do things for yourself because you're faithful, Lord. We fail, but you're faithful. So, Lord God, as we fail, help us get back into the center of your will that more and more of your faithfulness would, would be found more and more in us that we would look like Christ, that we would follow you with all our hearts. Lord, I I just pray your encouragement over the body tonight of Tennessee Avenue that we would find the Spirit of God, that we would find the Spirit of truth, and that we would be positioned and prepared to let go of the past so that we can walk into the future with you, into the promises, into bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth that your name would be hallowed. And we worship you tonight, Lord, that you're doing this. We trust you to do it. And we thank you, Father, that you're our Father. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.